Hey, toy fans, we have a guest so big that it's going to take two podcasts just to interview him. That's right, the Toy Lines podcast and People of Eternia are crossing over. Welcome to People of Eternia. I'm Tom Romero. Did you ever love something but didn't know how to express it? Do you think you're brave enough to tell the world about your passion, especially when the world perceives it as just some immature obsession? My guest today does have that bravery. He has shown the world that, like comics, toys aren't just for kids. He has helped legitimize the adult collector. He's amassed a huge following from both children and adults alike. He's a well-respected man in the toy collecting community. Along with his wife, he has inspired other collectors to proclaim their love for toys, especially Masters of the Universe. You can find all of his videos on YouTube, and he is about to release his first book, The Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. You know him as Pixel Dan. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Daniel Erdley. Hey, what is going on? Thanks for having me, man. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I mean, I'm excited for your book. You know, you've been just a huge part of the community. And I'm going to be honest with you, as a personal note, you've always been kind to me since the first day I met you at, at uh, the Power Party. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, it's been years now, too, right? And uh, yeah. we always see each other at Toy Fair and everything every year. And honestly, that's one of my favorite things about doing what we do and getting out there and getting to travel. I just, I love meeting like-minded people that are all just, you know, sharing our passions and, you know, covering the content or whatever we're doing with it. Um, I think it's been a real honor and a blessing just to meet so many cool people from all over the world. So, and you definitely, you're part of that, man. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and I forgot to introduce my best buddy and co-host Ian Westoff. Sorry, I'm late, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, Dan, Dan, Ian. How's it going, Ian? Good, how are you? Good, man. So, Dan, you gave us a pretty big health scare this past holiday season. How are you feeling? I mean, you look great. You know, Thanks. I'm glad everything's working out for you, I hope. Yeah, things things are going good. Um, I'm feeling a lot better now. Uh, so I was diagnosed back in the beginning of November with Bell's palsy. Um, and it's something that I had always kind of heard of or known of. Um you know, especially growing up a pro wrestling fan. A lot of people remember Jim Ross dealing with Bell's palsy for a time. Oh, okay. um, I didn't realize how common this was until after I was diagnosed because so many kind people like reached out to me and, and shared their own experiences with me. Um, the good news is it's not anything that's life threatening or anything that's really going to get in the way of my life too much. Uh, but it was very scary when it happened. If you're not familiar with what Bell's palsy is, uh, essentially it's temporary paralysis of your facial nerves. So um, it was really scary because I was I was just working one day and basically the left side of my face just 
stopped working. Uh, I couldn't blink my eye. My mouth started drooping down on the left side. I couldn't speak good. Um, I thought I was having a stroke, to be perfectly honest. I, I, I thought that's what was going on. So um, my wife quickly rushed me over to the ER and that whole process was very scary. Let me tell you, because when you get there and you show up with those symptoms, that's exactly the way the ER acts that this, we need to make sure you're not having a stroke. So as soon as they saw me and I told them what was going on, they whisked me straight to the back and they started like doing all the stroke tests to me, you know, testing different reflexes and, and doing lots of stuff like that. So that was pretty scary. But after they concluded the testing, they were basically able to, to uh, they were f- fairly safe in saying, we don't think this is a stroke. This seems more like Bell's palsy, which the good news is, is this isn't life-threatening in any way. So uh, you should be fine just to kind of wait in the waiting room for now. We're going to run a bunch of tests. We'll see how that goes. So then I had to sit in the waiting room for five hours, wow, not knowing man. what was going on. Um, and every so often they would call me back and I had to have a CT scan and all that stuff. So I had to go through all the, the scary stuff you always imagine would happen when you have to get rushed to the ER for something like this. But uh, at the end of it all, that that was what the diagnosis was, is Bell's palsy. And the good news is, is it's not anything that's really... The, the weird thing is, is they don't know the exact cause of Bell's palsy. It's hmm. something that could honestly have been in my system for years, and I just had my first okay. attack. Um so what happens is it's like a temporary paralysis that affects two of your major nerves in your face, causing you to just go paralyzed in half of your face. And you just essentially have to wait for it to run its course. So like they prescribed me some steroids and some some different, I think it was two different medications basically to help the healing process. And it took about two months for me to regain all motor skills in my face. So it was, it was stressful and you know it was one of those things where i was very relieved because it could have been far worse you know i'm not Mm -hmm. in any danger so i was absolutely counting my blessings for that part of it but the other part of it is it became very stressful in the fact that all the little things you don't think about every day become very difficult you know eating food drinking specifically Mm -hmm. out of a straw became impossible because Mm -hmm. the left side of my mouth just didn't work um at nighttime when i would go to sleep i had to tape my eye shut or wear an eye patch because I couldn't close my eye. Um, and I had to constantly put eye drops in my eye all day long to keep it moist. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, it was stressful. And, you know, I definitely got a little depressed a little bit through the process just because, you know, when, when you just can't do normal things that kind of affects you just mentally a little bit. So, right. But You're I pulled- afraid you won't get your, reflexes back there's always that too so like they they did tell me that i was lucky and that it was what they considered a mild case and that they didn't think i would have any permanent damage from it uh because bell's palsy can strike hard enough that it could cause permanent damage like to your face like some people never like they're they they never lose the droop in their mouth or they never lose you know so i got pretty lucky that I'm basically 99% back to normal right now. I still have a little bit of like a a flutter in my eyelid every now and then, or, or my mouth, like basically there'll be times where the muscles in the left side of my face just feel tired. You know, like when you smile real big or like you're, you, you like have one of those moments where you're smiling and laughing a lot and your mouth gets really sore and tired from all the smiling. Sometimes that's how the left side of my face feels just at the end of a normal day. Um, 
Yeah. So, um, but the good news is like they, the doctors think it's just, it's, I'm going to be pretty good. They expected this to be a full recovery. Uh, the only thing is, is it's once it's, once I have it, I have it. And, uh, so I'm, I'm prone to future attacks, but they said that attacks happen like every 10 to 15 years. So it could be another 10 years before this happens again. Uh And they said that, you know, that's not even a for sure thing. Like if it happens again, at least you'll know what it is next time. They basically told me. So yeah, it was, it was, it was scary, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm very healthy and I, I made a pretty much a full recovery. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that for sure. That's there anything you can take for that to prescribe anything for future. Like, you know, no, they didn't give me any like permanent prescriptions. They basically gave me like, they gave me the steroids. Uh, it was, it was two different, medications i don't remember exactly one of them was definitely a steroid um but those were just kind of like a a regiment that they put me on and once i went through that course um they decided i didn't need to continue taking it so there's not really much you can do for it after that Mm -hmm. um and it's been fine like it hasn't really been bothering me every now and then i have my days where i'm just like you know i have that feel that tired feeling but for the most part i'm doing fine so Well, that's good. Like I said, you look great. You know, we've been watching Thanks. your videos. I mean, everything's going well, it seems. So let's jump into your book. Congratulations. Oh, you thanks, man. have created a, a, basically a tome, The Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, now available on Amazon Prime. So head on over, pick up your copy. But if you're a super He-Man fan, head on over to the power hyphen con.com and order not only the toys of human masters of the universe but a part two compendium to the books that you've already received probably yeah so that's like a, a bonus to the character guide so if you bought the character guide that came out a couple years ago this is like that's like extra content for that so it's a nice bonus that's awesome yeah so could you tell me a little bit about the book here's one of the pages that was shown at PowerCon. Yeah. Now, this is a great layout. You have the carded figure, the bio. Um, I really couldn't read what was what's underneath the figure itself. Is that your own personal written description or what is that? You're talking about the main text on the page right in the middle there? Yes. Yeah. So that's my personal write up on on the figure. So uh, basically for for every figure, it's just a it's not like a personal review or anything like that. It's like informational so information about um the figure that came out any any kind of backstory you need to know about the actual figures production uh it describes what all comes with the figure so it's it's very informational um when we put together the idea for this book that's what we wanted it to be we wanted this to sort of be a nice coffee table book that was an easy reference to all of the masters of the universe toy lines. So you can easily flip through it. You can find the figure you're looking for. And it just gives you basically all the information, full turnarounds of the figure shows you all the accessories and gives you that nice, complete snapshot. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Now, could I ask what didn't make it into the book? So there, the, the real tricky thing about this. Um, so 
this is a huge book, just so you guys know. It's over 700 pages. Wow. And that's because we opted to cover everything from the original Masters of the Universe toy line all the way through Masters of the Universe Classics, um, which is the most recent collector's line. So that's the cutoff for the book. So anything that's come out after that is not going to be in here. So Origins didn't make the cut because Origins hadn't even come out yet uh, when I had to turn in the stuff for this book. So... Mm-hmm. You know, there's always potential for me to do a follow-up or something to include the newer newer stuff. So because of that, we're covering original He-Man, original She-Ra, new adventures of He-Man, the 2002 incarnation uh, of the toy line, the relaunch from that era, and then Masters of the Universe Classics. So that's a lot of toy lines and a lot of figures to cover. So the big question when we were first putting this together is how deep do we really need to get with this? Like, do we need to make sure we cover like all of the international releases and the variants, or do we need to just make something that's a little, a little more concise. And, you know, after a lot of back and forth and a lot of thinking of it, we basically opted not to get as, as deep and detailed with like all of those different international type releases. So, you know, you always have, especially with those vintage toy lines where, uh, figures get produced in different factories in different countries. And sometimes that results in right, the uh, Leo figures. Oh yeah. And then you got stuff like that. So you got like the Leo stuff that was the characters, re- the figures released in India. Um, you know, you've got the Argentinian releases, the top toys stuff. So we didn't go into all of that sort of stuff. What we yeah. opted to do was do um, there's, there's some articles throughout the book that kind of talks about some of that extra stuff and gives you some photos and some examples of some of it, just so you're aware it's out there. Cool. But that's the type of stuff we decided not to go super deep on because we, we already had a 700 page book just covering the U S releases. So this book is just the U S released items. So if the book does well, or, it, or let me rephrase it. Um, is that something you'd want to cover in a book? Just like, like just international stuff. I think that would be amazing. Um, I know that there are other fans out there that are hoping to do stuff like that. That might even be better at it than me, because I'll tell you, I, I learned a lot about that sort of stuff just in the process of working on this book. A lot of that is stuff that I knew existed and I, and I had a fair amount of knowledge of, but once I got out there and started working with other collectors to help put this together, I just, I was blown away by how huge (laughs) the variant scene is and the international scene is and it was amazing and i learned so much so uh the short answer is yes i would love to do something like that one day uh i can't imagine how complicated that would be trying to track all of that information down and piece it together and make sure i didn't miss anything you know that would that would be a challenge but it could be a fun challenge so uh, the book is just figures. Is that correct? No play sets or. Oh no. Play sets and vehicles are in there. Okay, it's, cool. It's so, all the figures, all the play sets, all the vehicles. So did you consider doing things like the other merchandise of He-Man that, that was out when you were, and if, if, since it didn't make it into the book, 
Is that another book you would want to do? <laughs> no, that's a great question. And it's another discussion that we had. There's so much other merchandise out there for, for Masters of the Universe that was produced by other companies. Right. And it was another one of those things where, especially if you go back and look at the vintage line, there's so much of it out there that I swear we're still stumbling upon new random things all the time to this day that we had no idea were made. You know, you got weird things like the soap dishes and <laughs> the toothbrush holders and the bags and the pencil sharpeners and all kinds of crazy stuff right. um what we ended up deciding on for this book was that we were going to do all of the official mattel produced items for the book okay. um so there are some instances where mattel made for example role play weapons like in the okay. 2002 toy line they made a power sword so that's in the book okay. um so anything that was like officially produced by mattel or their partners like super seven was officially was the official license holder for the, the toy lines. So it's basically just the Mattel and the Super 7 stuff within this okay. book. Um, the one exception is we did include the NECA Staction figures at the end of the 2000X section oh, nice. because NECA produced that line of statues that were in scale with the figures as a means to complete the 2000X toy line. So we have a section in there that lays out all of the NECA release stations as well. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So where'd you grow up, Dan? Uh, Springfield, Illinois, where I'm Very still nice. hanging around today. <laughs> Very, nice. Very nice. Yeah. Obviously, you had toys as a child. What was your favorite first action figure? I would I would probably accredit that to He-Man. Um, <laughs> He-Man and Skeletor were definitely my earliest action figures. And I'm, I'm on the young side of Masters of the Universe fans. I was born in 82, which is the same year that the, the line launched in the US. So I, I literally, like, we basically have the same birthday. <laughs> and, and I just grew up with He-Man in my life because when I was around, you know, three and four years old, well, that's when that line was at its prime. And, and right. you know, the filmation cartoon was on TV. So it was the my favorite cartoon to watch. My mom was constantly bringing the action figures home to me. So all of my earliest toy memories are with He-Man. That's awesome. Yeah. All my Christmases have always had something to do with He-Man as well. And it's funny you mentioned your mom because one of my favorite videos of yours is when you interviewed her about the Cabbage Patch Rage. Yeah, I, I, that is one of my personal favorite videos that I've ever done too. And I actually just followed that up recently where I interviewed her about uh, the day she gave me stink or as a kid, because it's always, it's such a funny story that always stood out in my mind. And I wanted to get her perspective on the whole thing. And I, I've had a really great response to both of those videos and that makes me really happy. But part of doing those videos was a little selfish too, for me, because I now have these amazing stories from my mom that I get to keep, right? I got, exactly. I filmed them and I've got these amazing stories that, you know, I, I'll always even be able to look back on it and see my mom telling these stories of, of things from when I was a kid. And it, I loved it. I love doing that. And I'm really happy that so many people enjoyed watching those. Let's get into video. So you're growing up one day, you just, you know, the internet's big, YouTube started, you just happen to just get a video camera and was like, Hey, plastics to pixels or, <laughs> uh, it was a little bit more to it than that. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I did kind of stumble on it. It's not like a goal that I had, you know, it's not one of those things where I grew up thinking I was going to be a filmmaker or, or anything like that. Now, 
when I was a kid, I did used to love grabbing my mom's 35 millimeter camera and posing my action figures and different things and then snapping photos off with her camera. And then, of course, you'd have to get them developed. So they come back and they're like these blurry photos of my (laughs) toys and everything. But I used to love doing that as a kid. So I always had like that part of it, I think. And what ended up kind of motivating me to to try the YouTube thing was probably around 2006 or so. I had really gotten into watching a lot of um, the retro video game content that was starting to boom on the internet, on YouTube and stuff. I was a big fan of ScrewAttack.com back then, which is where I discovered the Angry Video Game Nerd. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. Um, And I was really watching a lot of the content that was being produced centered around retro video games. And this was a very new thing at the time. YouTube was still very young. You know, most people weren't actually going to YouTube to watch videos yet. Like the videos had to be embedded on a popular website in order for people to see them back then. So that's how I kind of, you know, I I found screwattack.com and they were putting up all this cool retro video game content and So I was really getting into that and I was enjoying it. And I kind of started just, you know, messing around myself with trying to make my own content. I got on and I taught myself how to edit videos with like windows movie maker at first. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just started doing stuff like that. And and they used to do things on that website where they would ask for viewer submissions, like showing off their game rooms and stuff. So I, I did some things like that and got featured on the front page of their website. And that was like this huge rush. You know, it was like, oh, sure. oh my gosh, like people are watching this thing that I made. This is amazing. So I think the more I started kind of, you know, watching this and getting inspired by what other people were doing, and then I kind of had that experience. It was one of those things where I was like, you know, I feel like I could do this, but if I'm going to do this, I feel like, you know, I love video games, but like, also I'm a big toy fan and I love all this stuff. I feel like if I'm going to do this, I need to do it about something that I'm passionate about. So what I ended up doing was I found a way to appeal to the video game market while talking about toys. And that's where I came up with the concept from pixels to plastic, where I would talk about toys and action figures based on retro video games that I loved. So that was a really cool experience because I started kind of, I basically built this show. I created a series and just in every episode I would talk about, like I started with talking about like legend of Zelda action figures and mega man action figures. Well, I was getting front paged on screw attack and stuff with those videos. And so I was starting to build a little bit of a following and that was really fun. That was just a really cool experience. So that was sort of my, the birth of the pixel Dan uh, platform. Like my platform is pixel Dan, because that's how the name came about too. I was doing from pixels to plastic. And the first couple episodes, I was just using like my online screen handle, which was Mandalorian 30. Okay. I I was way ahead of the whole Mandalorian love. back then. (laughs) (laughs) um so so i would like the first couple episodes i was even like introducing myself as mandalorian 30 and i think it was uh you know a couple people kind of mentioned that that i needed something a little catchier or a little more i don't know just easy to remember or easy to say and then my friend lance actually started just referring to me as pixel dan because of my series from pixels to plastic and I liked that. And I was like, I think I'm going to use that if you're okay with that, because I think that that fits really well. And it it feels like 
it feels like a brand name, right? It feels a little marketable. Yeah. It feels like something people will remember. And I think I'm going to run with that. And from that moment on, I just started introducing myself as Pixel Dan, the host of From Pixels to Plastic. This kind of went from there. Yeah. Do, do relatives or friends like to call you that? Or are they just regular? <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, it usually is a joke kind of a thing. Or like if they, if they want to ask me a question about something toy related, they'll go, hey, Pixel Dan, what can you tell me about this? You know? <laughs> Oh yeah, you're on the spotlight now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Along with your love of toys, I'm going to bring this up. Could you please explain this? Now, was this Spencer Powers at work here, or? <laughs> well, um, all right. So let me start by saying that um, yes, I I actually have been an independent pro wrestler since 2000. So right out of high school. I went and started getting trained to be a wrestler because That's I awesome. wanted to, I wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to do wrestling on the independent scene and long before I was doing the video stuff online. Like that's basically what I was doing with my weekends. And oh, cool. so, you know, I got trained and I worked locally around here in the central Illinois area. And then I got to a point where basically every weekend I was traveling to different cities to work for different shows. Um, you know, Indiana, I would travel down towards the St. Louis area. I would travel up into Chicago and Indiana and just kind of all the little towns in between. I was working a lot of shows. So wow. uh, it's a big part of my life. You know, I love I love pro wrestling and I love the experience of, of being uh, on the independence. I d I'm not as active these days. It was one of those things where when I originally got into it, it was something that I had considered trying to do uh, full time. Wow. You know, I really liked it. And I kind of had those moments where like I, I started really getting serious about it and really working hard. And my, my goal was kind of going to be to, to go somewhere where I could get further training and get picked up, you know, or get seen or something like that. But, um, you know, it was one of those things where like the things happen in life, you know, I ended up, obviously I, I met the, the girl that would become my wife. And then it became more about like, well, I think I want to stay around here and I want to settle down. And I'm gonna do the family thing. So, uh, but I always still loved wrestling and I still worked independently around here. So, uh, what you just showed that was two years ago, I got to be an extra on WWE TV and that's a very common thing for um, when the WWE is coming to town for Raw or SmackDown or their pay-per-views. They hire a bunch of local independent workers to come in and be extras on the show for whatever they might need. Security spot or something. You know, they, 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 they always use local wrestlers for those spots. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was it was just one of those cool opportunities where uh, I got a call because they were in the Chicago area and I got the opportunity to go work Raw and SmackDown. And I think for Raw, I did the uh, I was just like a, a background character for uh, the No Way Jose Conga line entrance. <laughs> and then uh, on SmackDown, I got to do the security role where Becky Lynch beat me up. And that was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was an amazing experience. So, yeah, it was awesome. Now, I just want to lift the veil real quick off that that scene. Did you know she was going to do that to you, or was it ad-libbed? I, I did know that she was going to do that to me. Wow. She she oh. actually asked me backstage if I was willing to take it, and I was like, I'll be, I'll be here for whatever you need, Becky Lynch, <laughs> whatever <laughs> you need. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is kind of funny. I just got some email and feedback about our shows. Everybody has been loving the show so far, so – Thank you all. 
but apparently I don't talk enough about He-Man on a He-Man podcast. So let's jump into <laughs> that real quick. Sure. So this was just released recently. The Massiverse mm-hmm. figures. Apparently they're based on the Kevin Smith Revelations TV show on Netflix. So what was your first impression? I know you made a video about it, but you know, if you can just share with us. Sure, sure. No, I'm I'm very much kind of sitting in the middle on these still right now. Um, so the, the I guess it's important to note that this image kind of came from like a, an investor call that Mattel just had, right? So there was no like big announcement or big like reveal like that slide was dropped an investor call and that was our first impression of what these toys were going to look like so those aren't necessarily the best photos it's low res it's hard to see a lot of details on it so uh, i'm kind of doing that thing where i i want i hope that mattel follows this up now especially with um all the the comments and the criticisms that are coming out there based off this picture i hope mattel now comes out with an actual press release with a bunch of really nice photos and gives us some more information about what we're looking at here, because I think they need to do that. I think that's important to kind of now, you know, calm things down a little bit, maybe, I don't know. Um, So, you know, it's one of those things where I I try not to make snap judgments on this stuff, but as I always say, first impressions do matter sometimes. Mm -hmm. And those, I don't know, like, they look fine. I'm totally cool with them being based on the animation. That's exactly what I expected, you know? Um, but it's, it's hard to see a lot of what's going on. Um, I, I'm not completely in love with like He-Man's face in these low res images. He looks very yeah. sad or something. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Um, Evil Lynn's look is completely new and that's fine, but it might be one of those things where we need to see it in action in the cartoon series to get an you like to get an appreciation for it before we want the action figure. You know what I mean? Right, at this right. point you look at it and you're just like, why does that look so different from what I'm used to? Ah, you know what I mean? It's one Yeah, of definitely. Things. But it's so, funny you um, mention her cuz I think she's the best looking one out of all three. Do yeah, I do. I, I really like the unique like cloak that she has going on and then her hair's longer, which is something we haven't seen before. Right. We've never seen her with the long hair. And, you know, yeah. I, I will say this, like, she still looks like Evil Lynn, right? That's important right. when you do redesigns like this. Like, like her color palette is still appropriate. <laughs> she still has the swappable head with the signature uh, helmet that she wears. Like, so she still looks like the character. It's just a bit of a, a departure from her her typical attire, essentially. Exactly. Um, but one of the things I will say is I was impressed that He-Man and Skeletor just look super normal like their costumes haven't been redesigned at all they're wearing the classic he-man and skeletor costumes you know they didn't try to put pants on he-man again like like they always try to do so (laughs) yeah (laughs) i like that i think that looks good yeah i'm finally got a skeletor figure that hasn't been customized where he comes with a cloak or a cape yeah yeah he comes comes really yeah. yeah i'm really excited about that and now let's look at something for the kids now uh huh. How I mean, I, in your video you mentioned something about you're not a big fan of the sword. I totally agree. The, the swords where they always kind of get me, and it's yeah, I, I, I I totally it's one of those things where like I can fully admit that like 
there's a nostalgia thing with that sword and just don't change it. Like it's so iconic to the character. Exactly. I don't feel like there's a reason to constantly redesign the sword. Cause I felt the same way in 2002. So and while, I. while at the end of the day, I grew in a, appreciation for what they now call like the mechanical power sword like at first that was my least favorite thing about the 2002 series i was like why do we have this big ugly metal like mechanical sword now i don't get it so um when they switched back to the original style power sword for like classics and all that stuff that was like a thing that we were all so excited about like fans were just like Oh, thank goodness the real power sword's back. <laughs> exactly. So so we're doing it again, and it's one of those things where, like, I guess I get it, because uh, the other thing I always say is we, we do need new blood. We need new fans. This needs to attract a new audience, and if we have to do something that is going to capture the attention of what the current generation of kids is into that makes perfect sense to me and i'm fine with that especially when we're living in a current situation where there are so many other variations of he-man out there Mm. um you know there's the there's the the kevin smith series is supposed to be more for the old fans but then we've also got the origins line out there which is like straight up a recreation of the vintage toy line so there's all these other options out there if i don't like this new one that's made for new fans and new kids it's not the end of the world to me i'm totally fine with that um like so like i looked at battle cat specifically in that and like to me he looks like a zoid or something you know like he he's i don't know the armor doesn't really do it for me it looks really busy but i showed that to my seven-year-old son and that's the thing he liked the most he was like battle cat looks really cool i like his armor and i was like well okay so you're com- you're totally opposite from me but maybe they're on to something here yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean his tail is yeah. a little weird yeah. Yeah, oh yeah the- yeah he's got like a spike or something on his tail. yeah it's a little it looks very thin it's just well hit him he, as- kind of- he looks sorry. thin sorry yeah no no i mean I yeah, just say the cat, the cat himself looks thin. Yeah, if you look at that, like top, yeah, exactly, yeah. He kind of reminds me of 2000 X Battle Cat, like with the claws mm-hmm. and paws and stuff. But, I, um, yeah, this I will one, say this: this whole image has a bit of a 2000 X vibe to me. To be perfectly honest, yeah. Even even He Man kind of gives me that vibe. He's so. giant, like his upper <laughs> from his like neck to his waist is just gigantic. I know and everything tiny, else is tight. Yeah. Tiny little legs and tiny little head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm dubbing him Fortnite. He man. That's what I keep seeing. A lot of people say he looks yeah. like a Fortnite skin, but we also have this, which was an international picture. Apparently oh. from, a, from a retailer. I haven't even seen this yet. Really? So that, that's awesome. This, I've been. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> well, so I think, when when they first announced the Masterverse line at PowerCon, they sort of made it sound like it was going to be an all-inclusive line. Like, it's not just limited to being from the Kevin Smith cartoon series. Right. So to me, it sounded like the first wave was probably going to be all based on the new animated series. But from after that, it could they could be pulling from different inspiration points. Because I know there's been there's been some hope that they'll use that line to, like, complete some of the characters for classics that we didn't get and stuff right. like that. So I think that's, that's always a possibility. True. Yeah. Can so this, this is obviously based on based on uh, the comic books, right? Eternity. Of War, yes. Eternity of War? Yeah. Yeah. By he, Rob David. He looks like um, Tim Curry from legend to me. Oh, he totally does. He <laughs> right? Totally does. Just pink uh, and red. So I'll be perfectly honest. I did not read 
that <laughs> and I need to. <laughs> so I'm not completely familiar with what's going on there, but that's a weird looking. I assume that's Skeletor. That is yes. It's well, wild. it's basically Game of Thrones, just with He-Man. Right. Oh, okay. And, okay. and less nudity. Uh, no nudity. <laughs> okay, good. Sorry. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although they did do something in that book that I wasn't a hundred percent on board with was, uh, I don't mean to spoil anything for you, but. Oh no, that's fine. Go ahead. Tila becomes the green goddess. Okay. So it's like they kind of mixed together some different aspects, right? Because. Yes. Because. Uh, there the is some was- cool stuff in it. But yeah. that was the only thing I wasn't really on board with. Oh, you okay. You weren't on board with that? No, because, I mean, I love the classics version. I think King He-Man should marry Tila, you know. And, and the Tila just becomes like the sorceress or whatever. Exactly. She's destined, yeah, she's destined to be the sorceress. Right. I would imagine, my guess is that's what the Revelation series is going to be all about. That's what I was thinking, too. I would imagine that's the Revelation, right? That Tila's destined to be the sorceress, and that's what it's all going to be about. Right, because if this continues from filmation and they set all that up in the original series, so I don't know. I'm just jumping all around now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're good. Please. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I also wanted to bring up, they kind of hinted that, and even you brought this up, that these Masterverse figures were gonna be part of the Classics collection. So I was a little bit let down. Again, like you said, this is a poor picture. And stuff. I mean, who knows? Hopefully, we'll get maybe a variant somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. But I was yeah, really so hoping they would be more classics, more more in the style of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious to see the actual scale because I think they say it is seven inches, right? It's a seven inch scale line. Yes, I'm interested to see if they're still like the same size because classics is seven inch, but they're on the big side of seven inches. You know, they're, yeah, they're very big and bulky and everything as a He-Man toy should be. So sometimes when they stand next to other seven inch figures, like NECA figures, the NECA figures look tiny next to them. Oh yeah, definitely. So I'll be curious to see what these look like next to classics. If they're like truly in the same scale Mm. or if they're a little smaller. Gotcha. So here's a question I'm sure you get all the time. So Mattel comes to you and says, Dan, we don't know what to do anymore. We're giving you He-Man. Run with it. Well, what would be your definitive Pixel Dan? He-Man? Oh, boy, that is not an easy question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> also, you can't please everybody, right? So there's yeah. <laughs> um, this is tough because... So right now it really seems like they are going all in on He-Man in a way we haven't seen them do in a very long time because right. they've got, it looks like we're going to ultimately have three very different types of toy lines on retail shelves at the same time. We have two very different types of animated series that are aimed at different audiences at the same time. So it really feels like they're putting more behind the brand now than they have in a very, very long time. My worry with that is that they're either they're doing too much all at once or, you know, like we are spreading the brand a little too thin into different directions. And can all these different like in all these different markets that each of the different series are aimed for? Can they all with, you know, sustain that one thing? Yeah, exactly. So my fear, I'll tell you, my biggest fear right now is that if all of this isn't successful by Mattel standards, yeah. that they throw in the towel 
they're like, well, clearly people don't care about He-Man. And then they just, that's it. It's just over. You know what I mean? That's what I'm a little, that's, that's the fear that's in the back of my mind. Sure. Um, I think it's important to build a new audience. Like they, it looks like they're trying to do with the new cartoon series. But at the same time, I think it's very important to remember the people who have kept this brand alive for all these years. Exactly. And that is a very hard thing to do. It's a very hard balance, but I like to reference one of my favorite reboots in recent years, which is the 2012 TMNT reboot, the Ninja Turtles oh. reboot. I feel like personally, I feel like the 2012 series for Ninja Turtles is one of the all time best renditions of those characters. And I think it did an amazing job balancing both the concept of respecting everything that came before it while at the same time doing its own thing and finding a new audience because that show was massively successful with kids. Oh yeah. It was and a great at the show. Same time, it, a great show. And the toy line was like the top boys toy line for several years mm -hmm. in a row. I mean, like it was the straight up second coming of Ninja Turtles. Like they hadn't had yeah. success like that since the original release. So like it was, it was great because they just found the right person to helm the series and did, you know, they, they did the right thing with it for that. And that's the kind of thing I would love to see them be able to recreate with masters of the universe. Like if we can get a new series that somehow is able to respect all that great stuff, all the history that came before it while still appealing to a new market and making just like a really fun toy line and all that stuff to, to really keep it going. That would be my ultimate goal. That would be the priority. I think now at the same time, like once you've got something that's that successful, like with the Ninja Turtles series, um, another good example, regardless of how you feel about it, the transformers movies, you know, like they brought mm. in, they brought in a new generation and they made sure. a bunch of money, whatever. We don't have to like it, but you know, the, the ultimate positive that comes out of something that's that successful with the current audience is that they get more money to spend on making more collector based stuff. And right. they can start doing some of that extra stuff for us, the old fans, and we can start getting some of those kind of things. So I almost feel like, it's, it's important to find a way to, you know, launch a new series, a new whole brand of Masters of the Universe that can somehow have that perfect balance with the priority being getting new fans on, get, making sure that this is successful, and then there's lots of love to go around for everybody definitely it's hard yeah. to do though i understand that like i don't have, have the answers for doing that i know that that's a challenge but that's what i would love to see happen let me let me throw this out at you too so sure. um let's just imagine would you and obviously there's no news of this whatsoever would you be cool with like he-man in a theme park so universal oh, studios like like a he-man island or something like that of course oh my <laughs> god that would be amazing are you kidding me <laughs> So you get some, like uh, like Marvel Island, if they created a ride for him, that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. Um. Well, my wife and I are big Disney parks fans too. So, nice. um. I yeah, I couldn't imagine like walking into a theme park and having like a section or even just a ride, like just a, surrounding my favorite thing ever. That'd be amazing. You know what I mean? What do you so, yeah. think actually I, would would be better, like Disney or Universal? Like let's say so, somebody actually bought the license. 
All right. So, well, if we're if we're speaking on current terms, it would have to be Universal because Universal actually owns stake right. in Masters of the Universe. So, okay. um, it would definitely be at Universal Studios if they had it. That they had a a walk around character for Shira at Universal Studios. Yes, when her Netflix series was on. Uh -oh. So okay. maybe with these new series for He Man being on Netflix, we will get some integration into the mm -hmm. parks. That could be really cool. And they used to have it in um and in California back in the eighties um, in uh -huh. universal. They had uh, no, I never saw it myself. I saw pictures on the internet of like people who met He-Man and I think they gave them toys or something like that. Yeah. They're... I've seen those too. I've seen those. Yeah, too. That uh, would that's be pretty amazing. cool. Oh my God. Yeah. That would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, so we have two shows coming out. The live action movie still up in the air. How do you feel about that? Like, do you have a certain, do you have a I'm certain ter terrified, <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame you. Terrifying. Um, you know what, though? Man. I'll be honest. If I can just interject real quick, I don't really need a live action show. If we have like a two hour animated movie, you know, from anybody, I'd be fine with that. I, I you know, keep that coming instead of, you know, I've live always action. kind of been on the, I've always been kind of of the same mind. I feel like this world lends itself better to animation. And I think, I think a really well done animated movie could be amazing for him. Oh, sure. I think that'd be, what awesome. if it was like, um, uh, instead of a movie, uh, a series like you no know, stranger things or like a nine episode, you know, binge, oh, yeah. binge kind of thing. That, that way you don't have to, like cram everything in two hours, but you can still tell a longer story. And, and and kind of spread it out and, and build up to your, to your that would be thing. awesome especially if we can get some really good storytelling you know and yeah. I know that storytelling's gotten really good in in series especially a lot of these streaming series I mean yeah uh, WandaVision right now is unbelievably exactly, yeah. good and if we could get something that that got that much love in it for masters and the lore behind masters of the universe the way that Marvel treats their properties oh, oh, that would be amazing <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> So you bring up WandaVision. Where is Marvel Goodyear's review of it? I'm missing uh, it. I know. We haven't gotten together to talk about it. You know, it might be one of those things where we'll do a, a recap of the whole thing when it's over, I think. We oh. definitely talk to each other every week about what's going on. So I think I think that's something that we'll definitely be sitting down and recording. It's been hard to uh, get together to record our podcast recently, oh, sure. obviously, with things going on in the world and uh um, we always like to do it in person cause we're all, we're all local here. And, um, but life is so busy. I mean, gosh, we're all, you know, me and Jonathan both are raising a gaggle of kids and yeah. <laughs> you know, it gets complicated. I'm sure you guys understand. Yeah. Oh yeah. totally. <laughs> so how do you feel about this monstrosity right now? <laughs> now I, know I think that's awesome. You think it's a monstrosity? <laughs> well, you know what I bought? My wife got me the big head He-Man and I built it and I'm just staring at him like, why? That was, and those it, were weird. Those yeah. were weird. The He-Man and the Skeletor. Yeah. Yeah. Those were kind of strange. That seemed like that. Cause that was like uh mega trying to do like a, a pop type thing. Exactly. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And those, I don't know. I just don't think those worked out too well. Yeah. I, yeah. I think this battle cat looks fun though. Yeah. it's a, I'll give it a shot. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's my cup of tea. Now this, this they just announced. I'm really excited for. I am so excited for that. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, I bet. Now, yeah, so I, this is right up your alley. You do that uh, advent calendar with your wife. 
Yeah, me and Christina have been doing an advent calendar series every year for, gosh, almost a decade now, which is crazy. Wow. But it's just one of those things that's become such a fun tradition every year um, where we, we just do this daily advent calendar show. And we have, you know, a good, good little audience that joins us every year. And it just it's become such a part of our Christmas tradition. We really look forward to it every year. So when they <laughs> announced that I'm going to get to do a he-man advent calendar i mean come on that's like so perfect <laughs> did you do the gremlins one the gremlins uh, i did calendar? do the gremlins one yeah cool. i did that one this year it was so good too it was so good yeah this looks so great i mean it comes with micro figures for your smaller figures i mean you oh my that. god that's amazing oh i look at that yeah <laughs> i had only seen the main picture i hadn't actually looked at all these little these other ones yet. oh so yeah this is actually kind of based off of the new show because of um, He-Man's armor. The, the, the a, it looks like an H instead of the cross. Yeah. Is that, is so, so Mattel's been trying to push that as He-Man's main logo for a long time, actually. Okay. And um, if you notice, that logo dates all the way back to the original Battle Armor He-Man. That's what's mm -hmm. on the Battle Armor He-Man's armor. Right. And it's kind of one of those things where I think that's more marketable. And they can yeah. also trademark that. You know, like that's the He-Man logo kind of a thing. It's, it's not so. a terrible logo. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But here's the thing that, that I'm a little bit confused about, though. It's not the logo that's on Origins. On Origins, they went back to the Iron Cross. Yeah, that's interesting. That's so, a good yeah. point. It's a good point. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe it's a direction they're doing now with the new, yeah. the new animated series and everything coming out. Maybe they decided to make the full shift. Yeah. Sure. So let's talk about some other different toys. Have you been reading Last Ronin? I haven't yet. I everybody keeps telling me about it, and it I am amazing. really bad. At, I'm bad about keeping up with comic books. I'll tell you that. Like okay. it's just like there's always comic books I want to read, and then I just don't, <laughs> and I don't have a good excuse for it. Like I really should. I really should be. So what other toy lines are you excited about right now? We have the Thunder Tank coming, which you did a whole Ooh, video about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I really, I'm a big Ninja Turtles fan too. That's my number two mm -hmm. franchise. So yes. a lot of my collecting has mostly just been focused on He-Man and Turtles lately because there's so much for both of them that it's mm -hmm. already hard to keep up with those two things. Because <laughs> um, between NECA and Super 7, we're getting like some of the best turtles figures we've ever had. It's amazing. Oh, and I love that they're doing different, they're doing different styles too, you know? So NECA has given mm -hmm. us like the ones based on the original cartoon and the original movie, which are phenomenal. And then super sevens just doing kind of the masters of the universe classics things with turtles where they're taking the old figures and just bringing them into modern times. And right. I love that because with turtles, like that original toy line, had its own distinct look, you know, it was mm -hmm. like very different from what we saw in the cartoon and stuff like that. So I, I think it's certain characters specifically, it makes total sense to go that route for some updated right. figures. And I really like both of them equally. I know a lot of people are always like, which do you prefer? But it's not like a versus thing to me. Like they're, they're like, right. they're doing their own things. And I totally love and appreciate both of them for what they're doing. So um, I've been having fun picking those up. Um, the NECA ones are not always the easiest to find as everybody knows, but um, when I can get them, <laughs> they are good. Uh, I actually really, I like that they did pre-orders for a lot of their stuff. 
last yeah. year. So I've those pre-orders have all been finally rolling in. So I've <laughs> been just now getting like I just got my token Razar. I just got my super oh, shredder. Okay. Um, the Casey Jones and foot soldier I just finally got. So there's a lot of that stuff I'm just now getting because I took it. I just decided to do the pre-orders rather than trying to hunt them down. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I think I think that stuff's a lot of fun. Um, but what Super Seven's doing in general with like their Ultimates mm-hmm. line, I think is really cool. Um, obviously, that that scale and everything totally appeals to me. You know, I love mm-hmm. the seven inch size, and I kind of like that they're all basically built on the framework that Masters of the Universe Classics set up. Right. So now we're getting like all these other cool franchises like on that framework, like Turtles and. Voltron and like they just announced that they've got Power Rangers and mm-hmm. and Thundercats, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stuff is it's it's expensive, but I honestly think that that's kind of like my favorite my favorite lines right now to collect. My favorite style of nice. modern toys. I like those. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, uh, Defenders of the Earth. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That got, those, those stuff really goes back, and it, they look amazing. But they uh, look I'm so re- good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, Super Seven Silver. That was Hawks. such a surprise last year at Toy Fair when they revealed those. <laughs> oh Silver yeah, Hawks. they definitely. Yes. I am so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we got a little bit of a lag. So, I think. Um, yeah, the oh, Silverhawks. I'm very excited. Silverhawks. I'm very excited for from Super Seven. Yeah, definitely. So, here's some goofy questions I got for you. Okay. Mint on card collector, or do you open everything? I open everything. Wow. Um, okay. the, the only exception to that is um, like with vintage items. Because uh, I, I still heavily collect vintage masters and turtles. So sometimes if I get like something that's nice and minty and in the box, that that'll stay in the box. <laughs> but everything modern, I open everything modern. I don't leave anything, any modern toys in the package. Gotcha. Tell me about Toy Explosion. That's your history <laughs> on toys. Sure. Yeah. No. So Toy Explosion is uh, my video series where I wanted to. So I I, I do a lot of re- videos that are just like a, a review of a standalone figure or a look at a standalone figure. Um, but, you know, in my early days on YouTube videos, like with From Pixels to Plastic, it was more of like an episodic series that like talked about a toy line or whatever. And I just kind of wanted to get back to doing something like that. Um, you know, I, I also did a show early on with some friends called That New Toy Smell that a lot of people remember. That's right. And it was it was more like that. We we did like a, like every episode was about like a toy line and we would talk about the toy line itself. And, you know, I've uh, that was kind of one of my early visions for my channel was doing that sort of stuff like right after from pixels to plastic i i created that new toy smell as sort of the version of from pixels to plastic that could be on other types of toys outside of video games and um so we i did that for several years with some friends so toy explosion was kind of my way of getting back to something like that i really felt like i wanted to challenge myself a little bit more um, where I wanted to do a bunch of research and put together like a proper like history piece about a specific toy line or if I wanted to tell a certain story or something like that. And that way I could present it as like more of an episodic video series where every episode tells a story about a toy line or about a specific toy or or a fun piece of toy history. So uh, I wanted to do that just to kind of give myself a little something new and different to do. And like I said, challenge myself outside of just reviewing 
an action figure here and there. So that's, that's how that came about. Um, it's, it takes a lot more work, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, especially when I, sometimes I'll spend a couple months researching a project because I'll even try to reach out and get quotes from people involved and stuff like that. So they don't always come together as fast as I'd like. And mm. then when other things come about or like, I really get caught up in like, Oh, like two whole waves of origins figures just dropped. Now I need to focus on talking about all these new origins figures. So I don't produce them episodes of toy explosion as often as I would like to, but I have a lot of fun doing it. You mentioned, you know, like a whole new case of origins would drop on your lap. Do you ever get burned out or does it seem like certain days you're just like, Oh, okay. Let's, let's go back to the grind. Yes, absolutely. Um, the whole YouTube thing, it's so easy to get burned out. It is so easy to get burned out. And, um, I think one of the things that makes it easy to get burned out is like that feeling of needing to be first, needing to be fast, get it out there because you worry about everybody's short attention spans and they're going to go to the first person that posts the review and then you're going to miss out on a bunch of views. You know what I mean? And I hate that. I hate that. I hate like feeling like I need to be rushed or that I'm in competition with anybody. And Mm -hmm. so I try so hard to like not have that mindset. Like it's, I'm not trying to compete. I don't want to be in competition. I don't want to be rushed. Like I want to, I want to enjoy what I'm doing because I feel like that shows in my videos. And if I am not into it or I'm rushing myself or, you know, just trying to get it done to get it done, I think that shows in the end result of the video. And I think people Mm -hmm. can tell that I'm like, um, I'm kind of just phoning it in, you know, I think, I think you can, I think people can tell when you're phoning it in. Mm -hmm. So it's a mental thing because, Mm -hmm. I have these weird mental battles with myself all the time where like, I have to tell myself, like, don't worry about that. Don't feel bad that somebody else made an amazing video about the same thing you want to talk about. Just do your own thing, focus on you and and people. I, I really do truly believe that like, you know, if, if you are passionate about the thing you're talking about, that shows through in the video and people will catch on to that. And they will get enjoyment from your video because they can feel your passion bleeding through. I think that is very important um, in the whole YouTube space. And that's why when people are always like, that's a common question I get all the time. Like, how do you get noticed on YouTube? And it is very hard these days. I will say that like, there are so many people out there now making YouTube videos. Like when I first started, I was like the only guy on YouTube talking about toys back in 07, you know, and, but Mm -hmm. it's gradually turned into this thing where it's, you know, everybody's at least got a cell phone that they could shoot something and immediately put it on YouTube. So it's a challenge. So the best advice I can always give people is like, just enjoy what you're doing, put real passion into your projects, because if you are, really excited and really love the thing that you're talking about. That's, what's going to hook people. People are going to notice that and people will come. They will come. So, so when you're doing a video or a podcast and you know, you're basically talking to either like a microphone or into the camera, Uh how do you, how do you bring it out? So that it doesn't just sound like you're kind of talking to yourself. 
Because that's the one thing I find is like, it's yeah, no, that's tricky. And I'll tell you what, that's another one. um, That's another one of those mental hurdles you have to get over. I think Um, because I'm I'm the same way, and I totally understand that. You know, I, I still have issues when I'm out at conventions and I'm trying to do like the. (laughs) <laughs> like the vlog type thing at a convention. I'll be holding a camera and I'll be talking to the camera, but I'll be so self-conscious about everybody around me. Like what's this idiot doing talking into a camera, <laughs> even though everybody does it now. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. But, but I still have that weird self-conscious thing that I have to ignore because I know that I'm like, I'm talking to an audience that's going to see this. So right. who cares what the five people around me think of right. me at the, in the moment? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a hurdle that I think you have to get over. It's like a mental thing. Like you have to you have to realize that the camera that we're talking to or the microphone is an extension to a whole world out there of viewers that are going to be taking in everything that you're saying. Right. So I try to always present my content like I'm uh, having a conversation with somebody. Right. Like I okay. almost do the friend thing. You know what I mean? And and honestly, I think that's another yeah. reason why. I think that's one of the things that people like about my content is that it feels like they're hanging out to with them. Yeah, I'm, yeah. They're hanging out with somebody who, who likes the same stuff as them. And they're having, right. you know, like a, and that's kind of what I aim for. Um, I will script out some of my stuff for like toy explosion, but even sometimes when I'm like reading those scripts and using a teleprompter, I feel like it's a little too robotic. So sometimes sure. I even find it's better to give myself notes of specific things. I want to make sure that I, talk about and then i just kind of talk you know what i mean i'll just get in front of the camera and i'll talk and i'll try to make sure i'm hitting those points and it might take me a few takes to get through it but i always i always like the ones better where it feels more like i'm just chatting like we're chatting right now rather than me robotically regurgitating what's on a piece of paper (laughs) (laughs) all right dan we've kept you long enough just one real quick question so i've had I have heard that you are thinking of writing another book. Hmm. Do you have any type of hint, anything? Have you started it? I have started the preliminary portion of it, as in I'm piecing together a roadmap. Um, It's for my second favorite toy line, which I talked about on the podcast. So if you were paying attention, (laughs) you know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Well, sir, we're going to start the news. You're more than welcome to join us. If you're not too busy, if you need to leave, you know, feel free. Thank you so much for being on the show. The book is The Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe by Daniel Erdley. I highly suggest it. I can't wait for this book. If you're a He-Man collector or even just a random toy enthusiast, you need this book. It's based on the greatest toy line ever, written by one of the greatest fans ever. Pixel Dan, thank you so much. Hey, no problem. And if I may, uh, just real quick, I do want to make sure I like give a proper shout out because so many people helped me with this book. Uh, this was not a solo effort by any means. So, uh, so many fans within the community came together. This is very much a community made project um you know i visited so many people to photograph things for this book Uh, i had some folks come in and help me with some of the writing where i felt like writing could be stronger if done by other people Mm -hmm. um so this was a massive 
thing where we came together as a community to make this book happen. So ev like lots of people out there, there's a big credit section in the book so that everybody gets their due, but this is, I could not have done this alone. And I just want to make sure that that's, that's well known. <laughs> I, I very much appreciate all the help of the fan community. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So um, like I said, you're welcome to join us with the news. If you got to leave, you know, you can. Sounds good. Well, hey, I think I'm going to go ahead and head out. And just because my kids are down the stairs, I just want to make sure my wife is good to go. But I really <laughs> appreciate you guys having me on and and chatting with me and helping plug the book. It's it's thank you. It's sir. an it's honor been to be here, guys. Yep. Same right. here. All right. Take care. Take care. Well, that was awesome. Very nice guy. Yeah. 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 So let's get into some news. All right. So. So. We're going to regurgitate a couple of things, folks. So Mattel had their investors meeting recently this past week, and they released some Masterverse figures. You have He-Man, Battle Cat, Skeletor, with a shaping staff, by the way, and Evelyn, who I think came out the best looking of all three. Now, we just got to critique a couple of things. Like, I'm not too crazy about this Power Sword. You know, Pixel Dan mentioned that this is a sad-looking He-Man, but <laughs> so, well, this, this, this sword's better than that other gigantic one. Yeah, the um, the 2000X sword. Yeah, yeah. But like he said, you know, this is just a preliminary picture. You know, hopefully they'll look better with uh, you know in focus. And the CGI He-Man, or as I like to dub him, Fortnite He-Man, he actually looks interesting to me. I'm I'm very curious to see where they go with this new Netflix series. This is the kid show. This is the ch children's show, yes. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then Mega Constructs has also announced a Battle Cat Construct. It kind of looks like um, something you'd make with like elbow macaroni. <laughs> right? <laughs> Some parts do. That's what I was kind of thinking. Like You got like two Bellini over here and a little elbow over there. And but uh, Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I'm, I am He's curious. Kinda cool. I kind of like him. And as we mentioned before, the Masters of the Universe Advent Calendar. As soon as I saw this, I went straight to Mary. I was like, this is my Christmas gift. This is what I want. Well, you got to get it before Christmas so you can. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm loving these micro figures. I mean, I'm going to make so many ridiculous Instagram <laughs> pictures out of all of them. Super authentic details. And look, a Christmas He-Man. Who doesn't? Who doesn't need a second one? You know. Right. And then, and then removable accessories. So I guess you know this is perfect for customizers. So PowerCon is coming hopefully this September 11th and 12th to Anaheim, California, and the Mythic Legions Four Horsemen series always does uh, homage figure, if you will, to any existing He-Man proper or character. So right now, they're kind of hinting at a Thistlethorn figure. So I'm thinking it might be a Stinkor-looking figure. Okay. Now, I don't know any inside information. That's just you know to, me talking. Just guess. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll you know we'll be going back to normal and I can attend my favorite convention ever. So Neca recently tweeted out a Lothar figure from Defenders of the Earth. The first figures were the Flash or Flash Gordon. What is Lothar uh, from? Being the Merciless Defenders of the Earth. 
I think he was made just for the just for the show. Okay, yeah, just for the show. Yeah, a, the Phantom, Flash Gordon, and Mandrake, May. right? Yeah. Mandrake was in it. Correct. Right. Yeah, those guys are from you know the syndicated years. Yeah, but the first three figures that were released, the Phantom, Flash Gordon, and Ming the Merciless, were just the beginning. There is a Lothar and a Mandrake figure coming out soon. So, Nick, I really wanted you to know about that. So, here's something interesting. You might love this, Ian. I do I do like a good wolf. NECA's werewolf from an American werewolf in London figure is coming. And I would like to see them do... Um, I, like the, I like the diorama on this, but I would like to see them do one, like a transformation figure. Of, oh, uh, in between? Yeah, but this is... um looks like he's got some articulation like in his, in his arms and his paw and his... Even his legs, so it's Walmart has been doing some really good stuff, especially with their detail. I'd like to know what Rick Baker thinks of that since he worked on it. Like, what would he think of how the toy looked? Looks, I should say. <laughs> so, Walmart has announced a pinball. Well, the box is based on a pinball machine from Ninja Turtles. Now, this will be like a loot crate, but going to Walmart, you know, you're gonna get. You know, a whole bunch of stuff, T-shirts, keychains, and a unique Shredder figure. Hmm. It'll be a limited edition. And then also, that's been announced from Loot Crate. Yeah. TMNT Limited Edition Series 2 featuring Danny from the 1990 movie. How cool is it for, I don't know the actor's name, but Philip? To have your own action figure. Exactly. And you know what was nice? Neka even took that extra step to make his t-shirt the actual Sid Vicious t-shirt. Now, I wonder if they go into, you know, eventually if they'll do um, series, like Ninja Turtles 2, if they'll do like the Ernie Race Jr. figure. That'd be interesting. As a loop. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool. Actually. This is actually kind of rounding up the cast. If you got um, Judith Hogue for, um, well, we're getting her sometime. Yeah, yeah sometime this year, uh, and then a maskless Casey right. has also been talked about. So yeah, kind of rounding out the the human element of the of the movie. Pretty much, well, which is great. I uh, mean, unless they make a Tatsu, yeah, yeah, they make Tatsu. Maybe they can make him. They've been trying thing. to find him. Apparently. He he's a farmer. I've heard oh. different things. Like he had his own um, he had his own gym in LA for a while, and now recently I heard he's somewhere in Japan. Yeah. So it, they're trying to find him. They're working on likeness rights. They just can't seem to to either find him or make a deal with his family. Right. So along with this loot crate, loot crate themselves are releasing four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle theme boxes, each with its own unique figure. So box two is going to feature Armageddon from Tournament Fighters. Box three is Claw Shredder from the comics. And box four is the Dark Turtle, which is basically Donatello dressed up as Batman or a Batman-like character. Okay. Now, here's the thing. If you got the loot or money... You can purchase all the boxes and get a human scrag. Now, Loot Crate is opened. 
the window until March 23rd for all these boxes. So if you're a Turtles fan, this is right up your alley. Super 7 has announced a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Super Cyber figure. Now, you may remember these as the figures that are see-through. They've done an Optimus Prime one, which was kind yeah. of... Yeah, I actually saw a picture of him yesterday, and I, mist I mistook it for... Sorry, real quick. I mistook it for Voltron. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see where... Like, like one of those kind of things. But the see-through is kind of cool. It is. I, I like the gears on, on some of them. But I love the fact that you can actually see the Power Rangers inside yeah. the yeah. So that's pretty cool. So he's joining the Super Cyborg line, 11 inches tall and basically clear. So that's pretty cool. If you're uh, especially with a uh, MMPR fan. Or just a giant robot fan. Even that, yeah. I mean, Super 7 is doing some great stuff overseas with overseas characters. Yeah. You know what? I'd like to see them tackle the uh, Japanese Spider-Man. Yes. That would be cool. That would be excellent, especially when I can't believe they found them all on that situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was amazing. That's uh, That would be pretty sweet if they did that. Yeah. So uh, Diamond Select Toys has released images of their PVC statue line and will include Bruce Lee for $49.95. It will also include Destro from the G.I. Joe line. Now we've been seeing a Destro. lot of we've been seeing a yeah, we've been seeing a lot of characters from G.I. Joe, but coming out of different companies other mm -hmm. than Hasbro. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm kind of curious as to why that is. Money, maybe, but um a lot of Destro though. Definitely well, a lot of G.I. Joe. Because yeah. uh what Fortnite just had their um, Snake Eyes figure release or announcement. Oh, okay. Eric Draven, the Crow, hmm. uh, he's retailing for one seventy five. Uh, animated Sabretooth. Oh, sorry. I'll say they they got pretty really close with the likeness, just ninety nine percent almost. Except it looks like Brandon Lee, but this tiny little percent in my mind says doesn't but it's a very good sculpt yeah it's, yeah it's, it's well done the color and the colors are very uh you know nice it's, it's like the, before he went out and got into the fights and, and the makeup is wearing off or the bloody or whatever whatever so very nice he's another character that's making a comeback mesco is making one for him the crow yeah we saw i think we talked about that last week right the crow figure yeah yeah so the crow's having a resurgence i'm wondering why so Sabretooth from the animated X-Men. He'll also be part of this collection. Dark Phoenix. Mm -hmm. With the diorama. This looks kind of nice. Yeah, she, uh, she looks better than... Uh, I think she looks nicer than the uh, Sabretooth. This is a nicer presented piece. Oh, yeah, definitely. Black Widow. Mm -hmm. She's coming out for 175 and Bo-Katan from the Mandalorian or Clone Wars. Uh, yeah, and both. And you, both. You are both, yeah. She will uh, be limited to 3,000 pieces, 175. And rounding off 
Diamond's Flight to Darth Vader. That's pretty cool. And TIE Fighter. Can you go back to Vader for a second? Yeah. That's why I see something. So on Vader's um, chest plate, so it's right beneath the... Uh, it's going to be where like where all the buttons would be. If you look above his hand, where that silver piece is, mm-hmm. when they were making his costume, it basically looks like a, a vending machine quarter slot. Oh, wow. And so um, that and there's something else about him. But yeah, I've always... I was just looking for that. That's why I should pop back. It would be cool if they, they lit up the, the stuff on the on them, though. If, like the red and the blue buttons, if it lit up like on the actual suit, that would be a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the Mini Mates from Diamond Select. Now, here's another license that everybody's got them now. And here's something else that kind of weirds me out about these guys. Now, they're great in robot mode. But a transformer that doesn't transform kind of makes me feel like I'm missing out on something. It's just a robot. Pretty much. I mean, Hasbro has his has their RED collection of transformers that don't transform. Super Seven's doing their ultimates. Oh, the, but at least, yeah, and the reactions. Right. And yeah. well, reactions and ultimates, because you get all that extra stuff. Like the other day they I had a picture of Optimus Prime playing basketball and surfing. Yeah. <laughs> and then some more from Diamond Select. Animated Wonder Woman was just announced from Justice League as a bust. And a mini mate of the Iron Giant. Now, this is actually pretty cool. I might pick this up. This is the Iron Giant? Yeah. When you know he's in a death, you know, attack kill mode. Oh, okay, okay. I would like. To, do they make one of just the regular look of the Iron Giant? Do you know if they ever did? I would like I to see that. I don't know if they made it in this scale. I would like to. That's. I kind of feel like they should have went with that first. Because to yeah. me, this just just looks like a giant robot. But it still which, looks which cool. it is even yeah even you know even if you didn't know yeah Iron Giant this is a cool figure yeah. And number one toy of this year. The child. The child. He gets his own bus from Diamond Select. Mm. Not that this is the number one toy, but it's the number one character for toys. I would I just have a th- question, not even about the toy, but where is the series gonna go now? Are they are they gonna bring him back? Or is he done with the show? That's an interesting question. I don't know. And if he's done with the show. Will it lose its following because of that? Said so people went into the show because of the Mandalorian, but I think they stayed because of the child. Possibly, although I often wonder, like, if they took away the child, would like, it have been since, as good? Exactly, since day one, like, would would I personally watch it? I think I, think I would. I think if they kept it. If the bounty, you know, if he was just going after bounties, right? I think it would have been fine, but I think it would have been popular because it had been like an action show. But because they threw him in, and then it was kind of like you know, getting back to get you got to get him back to his to the Jedi's, you know, that that kind of created a whole different type of thing, and it brought in you know other Star Wars characters, and of course the surprise at the end of season two, um, so. 
you know, would it be successful? I think it would be successful. I don't know if it would be as successful. Okay. But then again, nobody can predict what's going to be successful or not. It's just, you know, that's tough. Well, here's something I know will be a success. It's coming out. Wrecker from the Bad Batch has been announced. So we almost got the whole gang together except the techie. The whole batch. And this oh. is going to be streaming on a... He's kind of cool looking. On a May 4th, on Star Wars Day. Yeah, on Disney Plus, May 4th. Disney Plus. Look at that. Speaking of Disney Plus, fans uh, might want to be checking their accounts because streaming service will be cost uh, have a cost increase uh, to seven ninety nine a month, and it'll be seventy nine ninety nine per year. So you might want to just check your uh, fine print there. Yeah, definitely. I just found out about this the other day. Yeah, it's the first I heard of it when you mentioned it before. I... Yeah, just by goofing around on, on my uh, Apple TV. And sometimes that's the way you have to find it because you don't know. And you're like, hey, why is my bill higher? Yeah. So if you're a fan of the boys, Medicom Mafex, Billy Butcher is coming out based on the likeness of Carl Urban. Carl Urban, Mr. Judge Dredd himself. Or Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he's great. He's great in everything. Yeah, uh, that's the first time I saw him was in Lord of the Rings, and um, he was really good in that. Yeah, and this figure is awesome. You know, most Metacom figures, double joints and stuff. The baby. This is diabolical. It comes with a baby with the laser eyes from the show. So I can't wait for this. Now, Metacom says it's going to be released in September, but... They don't have a great track record when releasing stuff, especially during these COVID times. It's understandable, but it would, if you're interested, you know, pray for September. So Hasbro's also released another figure in their movie masterpieces line. I really got yeah. Here we go. Optimus Prime from the Bumblebee movie, MPM 12. Now, the figure itself is iffy, but if you're into that hyper detail on your transformers. This is right up your alley. For me, I like the regular masterpiece Optimus Prime. You know, the one that talks sounds just like Peter Cullen mm -hmm. and the Japanese actor that didn't his voice for Japan. Right. So that's awesome. So no release date yet, but I'm telling you, all those Michael Bay movies would have should have taken a cue from the first two minutes of that Bumblebee movie, because I would have loved to have seen those first two minutes on every movie instead of, mm. you know, flaming Optimus prime and no talking Bumblebee, but that's just me. So Mesco toys started releasing images from their Mesco toy fair. And their first image was uncle Fester from the LDD um, line. You know what? I don't like the way he looks. I like the way Cousin It looks, though. Cousin It looks amazing. I like how his hair curls. I like the John Lennon glasses. I like the hat. Uncle Fester looks like, and you ever, you know, in those old cartoons, whatever, you have like three kids standing on each other's shoulders mm -hmm. to look like an adult. Right. That's what he looks like to me. And just, <laughs> that head is just like creepy. Oh, I, 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 I guess I guess it does in a way. I mean, it, it 
if you look dead center at his face, the eyes and the nose, it looks like Charles Adams, but the head is too newborn babyish. Hmm. But it does it does have a look of um, the original strips, the cartoons. Could you imagine like getting something like this for your baby and just having it like on their shelves next to a teddy bear, just staring at you as you're trying to sleep? Well, cousin, it could be a teddy bear. Really, to, think to you know, a very creepy child. Yeah, I liked. I, I dig it. I really like the way he looks. Um, he, that's. I. I would actually like to know what's underneath the hair and how they made the toy. Hmm. You know, is it just a bund- Is it just a like a plush, or you know, is there some kind of, uh, like like, structure to it holding? You know, that's all. The hair is all into. That makes I guess sense. we'll find out when it, when they release yeah. it. Yeah. Now here's something a little more disturbing for you that's, folks. That's just disgusting. The Silent Hill bubblehead figure nurse. But yeah, look at that detail. That's crazy. That's yeah, the splatter from Silent Hill too. I've not seen the movie, so I, really I haven't seen either. Yeah, sorry folks, but it's coming out from Mezco from their LDD line, and then also is the 14-inch adorable grub, chunky grubness. He's their mascot, essentially. So. Uh, Mesco's, right? Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's just uh, look at his butt. Uh, yeah, that's um, yes, that's that's the mascot who's like always in different. Like he was like a samurai once, wasn't he? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I like how he looks. He's kind of cute. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's an interesting. He's got guy. the chubby. He's got like the chubby little baby legs and the baby belly. Yeah. It's giving a finger, which all babies do. So it's. That's pretty cool. 14, 14 inches is wow. that's good. All right, enough of this stall talk. Let's get into some <laughs> action figures from the 112 line. They're releasing the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Green Ranger. I mean, what more can you say about Mesco? They do good stuff. I mean, they do soft goods, superposability. That's a nice it, picture, too, because it almost looks like somebody's there by the ocean. Right. He probably comes with like a million. Different accessories. types of accessories. Yeah. And then also is Caesar from Conquest mm. of the Planet of the Apes. It's good detailing on the on the on the head. Yeah. Because it, it looks like the makeup of that day without making it look like the makeup of that day. Like you could see it, but you could also see the uh, the of a figure, you know, um not just an actor wearing makeup. So it makes right, you see it both. Look like a mask, yeah. Yeah, so well done. And then, if you want to add some more, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. These guys look like they're ready to break out of jail. Yeah, they're going ape. Pretty much. Going gorilla. They're going gorilla. Well, yeah, they are apes. You know, so anything without a tail is considered an ape. But it's, they each have a different face. Am I, am I correct? Yes. Very nice. See, that's nice that they didn't just like give them all the same look, and you know, right? That's that's uh, that's dedication. <laughs> I like that. And here's a straight up yellow and blue Wolverine. He looks pretty good. Like, I like how the mask looks. You can see like the hair on his arms. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah. their Batman figures and Wolverine figures for some reason always come out excellent. Hmm. I, I mean, most of their stuff's excellent, but. Something in particular about I, I, their Wolverine and Batman lineups. Just, yeah, I just think some some things trans well uh, transfer better. You know, I guess transfer better 
to toys than you know others mm-hmm. and i guess that look of that character does Wolverine could be a tough one too because if you look if you look at that mask it's it could very well not look as well but it they got it to work yeah i love my old man logan figure from mesco i mean that's a beautiful figure you know leather jacket you know indiana jones top hat i mean Mm -hmm. it's awesome and even the x-force figure where he's all dressed up in gray Mm -hmm. that's that's a beautiful figure as well from mesco now here's something that came out as as a surprise a fantastic four box set how cool is that everybody susan storm looks a little bit like she's an animated cart version but every, I mean, it looks good, but like everybody looks great. You know, you get the detail on the thing and you got the flames on Johnny, but just on certain, certain spots. That's what I like most about. This yeah. Story. He's not yeah. just like colored red and exactly. a bunch of stripes on him. Translucent. And, yeah. yeah. And then you got, of course, Mr. Incredible's hand going gigantic or something. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And then here's some stuff from the Rumble Society, which is 112's own line of figures. I don't know who this character is. I'm sorry, folks. But I have heard of the shark. Apparently, he was in some sort of comic. I don't know. Now, here's something beautiful. I may have picked this up. Uh, this is, yeah. Batman by Gaslight. That actually is rather nice. I like the cape. Yes. Uh, I like, uh, everything about the cape, I like. And I love the detail, just like in the book, where they don't darken his eyes in the mask. Actually, yeah, that's I, I didn't notice that until you said it, but and it doesn't look funny. It looks good. It, yeah, it looks incredible. Which I think in any other case it would look funny. But this looks really good. Yeah. And yeah, it, it they, makes yeah, it that's really actually really incredible. Yeah, they really took their time and, and effort into this particular figure and it shows. Yeah. Ultraman is also coming from the 112 line, as well as Spider Ghost, or Ghost Spider, excuse me. Now, this is a great figure. I'm just not too thrilled with the character. I don't care if she is. Isn't it? It's Gwen Stacy. That's what I thought. Spider Gwen, right? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Well, okay. they, they changed her name. Oh, I, I, I did Okay, I didn't know that part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. To me, that's, that's one of those comic taboos i always believe gwen stacy died you know she still needs to be dead i don't care if she is from a might as well bring back uncle uncle ben give it another give it another 10 years yeah yeah spider ben (laughs) i'm surprised there's not peter died and ben becomes the spider right and then gi joe destro there he is again how cool is this though i mean this Look at the detail on his teeth. Wow. He's all happy and smiling. And Well, you know why? He's going to see the Baroness. He is. He's going to make some money. Or he just did. I don't know. One of those. And then the Mike Myers LDDS Troll Doll. Oh, uh, Leatherface. Leatherface. Excuse me. They call it a Troll Doll? What did I say? Oh, well, no. Somebody was playing a joke on me. Uh. Sorry. Sorry, folks. This is that. MDS, Texas Chainsaw, my Leatherface, uh, right? Leatherface, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't do horror well. Mm. And then the It Doll, MDS, Mega Scale. 
it's it it's it, you know it looks it's like it. it's it that's it uh you know what's funny is it's not cousin it but like the bald head is so pronounced on this and that's how the, that's how we looked in the in the when tim curry played him hmm. but it's really like boom like egghead from batman show and like just but uh, I, but again, you know, like, I'm not really a fan of, of these things, these dolly things. But if 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 you're a collector or a fan of the movie, the book or the movie, it, and if you're really like the '90s version, you know, and you're a Tim Curry fan, then this is right up your alley. Yeah, it's right up your sewer, I should say. And here's the Chucky doll. This is based off the movie, the new yeah. movie. No, no, the original. The original. Yeah, he's gonna come in that best buddy. Okay, yeah, and he's gonna have four phrases. Uh, now, what's interesting about this picture is he, he doesn't look, you know, evil. He's he looks like a nice, friendly little doll. Well, this is before he gets possessed. Yeah, so he's one of those buddies. And uh, okay, you know, so this isn't. I got you. This isn't right. Yeah, so this is Chucky. Just... But yeah, this is the doll before. This is the doll he wanted, not the doll that he got. Exactly. 15 inches tall, says four phrases, $98. Wow. Well, he, he, you know, Chucky has a huge following. He does. Um, And and I, I don't know why I would say, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I liked the first movie. I saw the first three, I think. Did you? Yeah, I, I only stopped at the first. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, he's got, a, he's got a big following. Yeah. So I just want to give a congratulations and a thank you to everyone that supported this book. Toys That Time Forgot Volume 3 has reached its funding goal. So it's all gravy from here, folks. Just tell a friend, have them purchase a book, and we'll get those stretch goals, Blake hinted. Nice. So congratulations to Blake. And now for our He-Man fans. Faking Filmation, a story about a He-Man fan that made his own cartoon based on the animation of Filmation using the character Faker will kickstart on April 6th. There is, this is a documentary from the great Rob McCallum who brought us video game box art and Powers of Grayskull, the definitive He-Man and the Masters of the Universe documentary. So yeah. their Kickstarter will be on April 6th and Rob will be on the show coming soon. So please support this. I'm excited for it. Like pixel Dan said, anything he man is always good. So let's get into some other news. Do you remember quantum leap? I do. I did not watch it, but I, um, I remember it. You didn't Stop. watch it. No. Great show. I gotta get you the DVD for Christmas. I know Scott Bakula. Um, what's the dude from behind him? What's his name? The actor? Oh, I, I just know, know I remember my Rich, you know, our buddy Rich and my cousin mm -hmm. Brian were huge fans of the show. I'm like, I never oh, understood yeah. why. I did watch a few and I was like, yeah, he just jumped from pe person to person, right? Yeah, uh, helping lives. Help, yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. The whole time he's trying to get home, but spoilers if you haven't. Actually, I'm, you don't mind if I spoil it for you. Yeah, he probably he doesn't get, get home, right? 
He d- oh, so you didn't know? Yeah, he doesn't. No, I, I, I'm guessing, but okay. He's not dead, but he just hasn't figured out how to get back into his own body, into his own that, life, to make that quantum leap. Right. So the reason why I'm bringing this all up to you is because they're talking about rebooting it with Scott Bakula as the lead, and it may not be a complete reboot. It may just be a continuation. That's, so yeah, we may be able to see. Him finally get back. Yeah, I think I think it's better to go with a continuation than a sequel, uh, like a reboot. Definitely, I feel the especially same with way. the same actor. Like you don't want to see you want to see what happened to his character. You want to see him get back in the end. I think definitely. And here's some He-Man trivia for you folks. His wife is the live action Tila from Masters yeah. of the Universe. No kidding. Yep, very nice yeah. lady. I met her when you were at PowerCon. I didn't know that. Yep. So Tommy Pickles and the gang are coming back in in CGI form. <laughs> I always love the Rugrats. Rugrats. Now here's something that's cool. It'll be on Paramount Plus, the new network. The original cast is back, all except for Christina Cavanaugh, who passed away in 2004. She played Chucky. Nancy Cartwright from Bart Simpson will be taking over the role of Chucky. I think she she had been doing him for a while too, hasn't she? Chucky? Uh yeah, since the lady passed away, isn't it? Correct? Possibly. Yeah. I don't not, 100% know. Yeah, not too familiar. I mean, I, I know Rugrats, but I didn't really watch it or I watched a couple, to be honest with you. Yeah, I loved Rugrats. I even followed when they're um there's a show called All Grown Up. Yeah. Or Tommy, yeah, Tommy wants to be a filmmaker and stuff. Tommy dates Angela, whatever name is. Oh no, they're they're cousins. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's not that type of show. I had a feeling that was going to happen, but you know, maybe Chucky does. So I got this email from Mark Millar. I didn't even know he had the Toy Lines email. Nice. Jupiter's Legacy, the show based on the comic from Mark Millar and Frank Quietly, will premiere eight episodes on May seventh on Netflix. How did this? I mean, that's right around the corner. This is the first I'm hearing of this. Oh no, this has been in the. Works oh really? For it's been the works for a while. Yes. Um, Mark Millar had his own section of the Image Universe, the Millarverse, and he sold it all to Netflix. Wow. Yeah. So he's living the good life, and we're all going to enjoy his creations. Some sad news. Um... If you're a special effects fan and like to read about it, the great Cinefix magazine, the final issue will be out. It's 172 pictured here. Um, Cinefix is, has been actually since the eighties or probably a little before that, the magazine you go to when you want your background on special effects in a movie. And they, the one I'll, I'll quote for reference is the episode, the issue that did the rocketeer. Because that is extremely detailed, and then they did a well-written art series, of like for each movie. It was like one article, but it's well-written and researched. It, it just tells you everything. So, like this, it's actually really sad that this magazine is coming to an end. Um, I wish they would go digital, but if less practical effects are being done, I guess just and it's all CGI. I mean, there's enough stuff covering that, but. In a way, it's the end of an era because a lot of guys in Hollywood um, 
doing monster makeup, practical effects. This was their Bible, you know. So, a little bit of a bummer. Definitely, yeah. We're we're in a weird age now. Yeah. The new title of Spider-Man No Way Home will be the third feature in the Marvel Studios Spider-Man trilogy. This is his last movie, I think. His uh is that correct? He's con- is it the contract's up at this point? Yeah, have to con- yeah, his contract is up after this movie, but I don't know if they're going to renegotiate. I know they said that they don't want to continue without the original cast, and that includes Zendaya. So. I think she's replaceable, whereas he, he isn't as Peter Parker because she could always bring in a new girl for a love interest. If, if you have to right, start all just, over again, you know, like, huh. That means, well, then again, that means they also want to keep Ned. Yeah, I, I hope I hope they bring him back because he, he's young enough. He looks young enough to play the character still longer. Yeah, I think they were yeah. going for that originally. Yeah. I hope, I hope, uh, and he's good. He's pretty good at it. So, so my little pony is making a comeback. Netflix has greenlit entertainment ones, my little pony CGI movie this fall. And a series will follow after the movie premieres on Netflix and will continue the adventures of Sunny star scout and her friends. That is the worst name. That is such an adult filmmaker name. Not that I watch that kind of stuff. Right. Right. So here's something came out of left field. Nickelodeon Hasbro have announced a new animated Transformers series of 26 half-hour episodes and is described as an action comedy. And here's the premise. There is a new species of Transformers, and they get adopted by a human family. I, I think Nickelodeon should focus more on the Turtles. Yeah. They should, um, yeah. You know, you got this franchise. You know what? Then again, we don't know what it is. It, it sounds ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But it general, may not be another Thundercats roar is what I'm saying. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I, I just want to see more Turtles. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Yeah, you know you, what I want to say? bought it. The last Ronin. That's what I want to say. Speaking of which, oh, what's this? Is that a custom? I don't know. It could be a prototype. Kevin Eastman tried to do a Facebook Live the other day, and they had all sorts of problems. He was trying to get Tom Walsh in on it, and he's like, oh, and he pulled this figure out, and he's like, yeah, this is the last Ronin's. It's all the last Ronin's fault. So I don't know if that's a prototype, a custom. I don't know what it is. All I know is, is, sorry. All I know is I'm excited for Last Ronin figures. They are coming. I, I don't think it's a custom. I think he wouldn't have said it if it wasn't a prototype. Not that I know. Well, he didn't necessarily say what it was. He just said it was right. the Last Ronin's fault. Well, right. I mean, the, that part. I don't think he would say it was the Last Ronin's fault and show that without it being an actual teaser. Right. But this is the one, this is the figure that I'm most excited about with the hood, yeah. all the weapons on him, and all the gear. Yeah. Because he did say at the end of issue six or whenever it ends, he's going to look a lot different. So. so Superman, the animated series, 
is returning to HBO or will be on HBO Max and it will be for the first time in high definition. Wow. This was a great show. The high def will look nice. The colors, will, well, especially on his outfit, will really stand out. Definitely. Because even though they stood out on regular TV, it, it had that before TVs became high def, you know, they still were a bit like grainyish. Um, yeah. So the high def will stand out nice. Definitely. There has been announced a Superman movie reboot from J.J. Abrams and Black Panther comic writer Ta-Nehisi Coates. No word if Henry Cavill will play the main character of the Man of Steel, but writer Coates has stated that his movie will be part of the DCEU. So, interesting. So, we're getting an in-continuity Superman story. We just don't know what type of Superman he's going to be. And he did say it was going to be a reboot, whether it is the rebooting Man of Steel or they're just calling you to reboot. Could but I, would like, I, I had no problem with Cavill. I think no, he made a great yeah. I'm just tired of, kind of tired of reboots, but you know, you don't really have much of a say in it. You know, like, like, like I would hate to see them reboot Spider-Man again. You know, like... Mm. So that's why I like just please stick with one guy for a while. That's all. So, so the Simps- they're having their seventh hundredth episode, The Simpsons. Yeah, that is incredible. I remember we were at your sister's birthday party. You mean my birthday party? And your birthday. That's right. I'm sorry. Like- and your birthday party. <laughs> and your cousin comes in and he's like, "Ah, oh, Simpsons is going to get canceled." Now this was back in the nineties. Brian? Brian? Yeah. This was back in the nineties, and it was, it was like right after the show began too. It way. was it was so foolish too because we all agreed with them. We we're like, oh yeah, this show is you know it, it'll never reach a hundred episodes. The, the, the problem with it, well, here's the thing: it, it started out on the Tracy Ullman show, right? Um, and then the first season, I was a freshman in high school. The first season only had so many episodes, so under fifteen, I think, and it took them a while. To get um so once those episodes played you were watching repeat after repeat after repeat and it was very popular right but it took you know for season two to come around with more episodes and then you know to do what they do now but 700 ep- 700 episodes um is that is an show is old and that makes me old <laughs> but it's quite but an achievement. It I really wish, is. I wish all shows would go that long. It makes you think. I would love to know. I don't know if they ever kept track of this. I don't know. Well, if it was at one point drawn by hand on pencil and then transferred to cell or whatever, how many pencils and draw? How many drawings have been made for this cartoon from episode one up until now? Yeah. You know, like this is a seven hundred episodes for a cartoon. Uh, well, it's all computer I, nowadays, yeah. But like, yeah. like, but yeah, that's it, a lot of pages. Has a cartoon ever hit seven hundred episodes before? Is this the first time? Yeah, very first time. Oh, well, it's the longest running American program. Yeah, and and definitely longest running cartoon because I mean, it's oh, not yeah. like it's just in in rerun. It's new episodes. I haven't watched it probably since episode four hundred. I don't know. 
But like really, everything's on Disney Plus. That's how I, I know. Catching up. Yeah, there was like that nice middle spot where they where they just had like every every series has a great spot where they know the characters and they write them well until like right before they ruin it. And in that middle, that's where you want to, that's your favorite seasons. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would probably go back and rewatch on this. Um, Cause like, you know, the new ones, Homer's voice is still, they're getting his voice is evolving throughout each season and so on. And, and you'll hear those things when you. Well, Marge, Marge's voice. I think. Yeah has the biggest change yeah um but it's also interesting in that regard when it, to listen to the voice and, and how it developed over time to what it is today mm-hmm. so some cool stuff to it yeah so the 700th episode will not only be a christmas episode it'll also be a flashback episode which kind of scares me in a way because not too long ago one of the producers said the last episode of the simpsons will be a Christmas episode with Homer getting ready to be Santa Claus in episode one. Hmm. So, well, I, mean, I don't think it's the end. I haven't heard anything, but uh, you know, it, it's an interesting concept. If it is the last episode, you know, 700 is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I might not go for a thousand, but, Still, but you know, like uh, that's that's an achievement. So, oh yeah. shoot, we, I miss this. Sorry, folks. Here is the final reveal from the Mesco Toy Fair: a new Superman figure based on the comic from One Twelve. He is built, that's for sure. Yeah, but coming soon to Toylines.com is our toy review of the Christopher Reeve. 78 Superman from Mesco Toys. So nice. look out for that. So I just want to give a super shout out to Pixel Dan for being on the show. And thank you, Ian, for being on this episode of our crossover episode mm-hmm. of People of Eternia and, and Toy Lines. The Toy Line verse. The book is The Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. You can pick it up at Amazon. But if you're interested in two books... Log on to thepower-con.com and get yourself the bundle. This is a great effort amongst the community, some choice writers. I'm really happy and really excited. Congratulations to Pixel Dan and everyone that was involved. Well done. Help our buddy Rob McCallum sell or purchase uh, Blu-ray of Action Figure Adventure from Big Bad Toy Store it is a great show, great documentary about his buddy trying to help a bunch of sick children at their hospital get some extra money through toys. And it's a whole history about action figures. It's really a great movie. I highly suggest you pick it up. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in it, Kevin Smith's in it, and Pixel Dan's even in it. Thank you to Brian Salvatore for our intro and outro music. Uh, if you're stuck and don't want to help the scalpers, head on over to hashtag collectors helping collectors and see if you can help other collectors as well as collectors helping you complete your collection. Uh, 
Thank you to Scott Nightlick at Spectre Creative. If you have a great toy idea or you need just a fantastic marketer, head on over to Spectre Creative. We are now on YouTube, obviously, at Toy Lines. Please subscribe, hit that bell, and tell a friend. Join the conversation at toyspodcast at gmail.com or mail at peopleofeternia.com. We are now on all your favorite social or favorite podcasting platforms. Please subscribe, give us a rating, or do both. Enjoy our newest podcast, Rocketeer Radio, featuring the number one host, the Rocketeer man himself, Ian Westoff. Thank you, sir. People of Eternia is now on all platforms as well. Log on to www.toy-lines.com for all the latest toy reviews. If you like what you see here and are inclined to do so, please support the channel and purchase a t-shirt by logging on to teespring.com slash toylines slash store hyphen two. Or if you're interested uh, in stuff other than the toy lines, head on over to teespring. Okay, This is the best I could do. Teespring slash people hyphen of hyphen Eternia, or you've got the easiest one in <laughs> teespring.com slash rocketeer radio. <laughs> Follow us on all social media, Twitter, Instagram at toy lines and rocketeer radio and at people of Eternia. Find us on Facebook at toy lines or toy shelf magazine. I'm Tom Romero. Uh, me and my stuff. Play with your toys. Read a book. Pick up Pixel Dan's book. We'll see you next week. <laughs> hey, toy fans. If you love He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and are interested in hearing the stories of the creators of every incarnation of Motu, then try the People of Eternia podcast, hosted by me, Tom Romero, now on all major podcasting platforms. Hi, I'm Marvelous Joe. And I'm his twin brother, Johnny DC. And together, we host the Dynamic Duel Podcast, a weekly show where we debate who has the superior characters between Marvel and DC, which we help prove through stat-based simulations of battles between your favorite Marvel and DC characters. We also review the latest Marvel and DC films to hit theaters. We'd love to have you come listen as we have a blast every Tuesday. Check out Dynamic Duel at dynamicduel.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Did you watch the X-Men cartoon as a kid? Did you buy Spider-Man number one the day it came out? Did you collect superhero trading cards and action figures? Then have we got the podcast for you. That's right, it's Wizards, Wizards the, the podcast, podcast guide, guide to, to comics. comics. The exciting show where Adam, that's me, and Michael, that's me, will take you through the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine, one issue at a time. We have so much fun reliving that crazy time of chromium covers and speculative comic book buying. Plus, we get to see where this whole hubbub about superhero movies really began. So we invite you to join us every other week on the Retro Network podcast feed. We can't wait to go back in time and uh, flip through those comic books you used to read. So we'll see you then. And until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. Uh-huh.